answer all the explicit um, questions. I'm going to go quickly and share my screen here. Just you guys give me a second. I just quickly do this and here we go. And a great intro to remote work, everybody. Don't ever worry if there's a delay. Silence is fine. Someone stepped on a Lego. Someone has a kid coming <laughs> around. There's a dog that pooped on the floor. Technical difficulties. This is all part of it, right? And I think this yeah. is something we should all embrace as we're working and going forward. So I just wanted to put that mention out there that nobody should worry about needing a moment. Okay. Can everybody see my screen? Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That's, that's the best part of it. Uh, so... Um, Today, we're going to talk about remote work. And for those who are new here, I'm going to say that you guys can always participate. And oh, too fast. So we can always participate. And um, you are by default on mute. However, at the end of the, uh, the session, we have always Q&A session, uh, Q&A um, to uh, ask any kind of questions you have. So I'm going to list some housekeeping uh, rules. Turn your cameras on. Let's all be a team here. Let's all be together in this. Like we are more than excited to have all you guys here today. Um, you can relax, sit back and enjoy what Kelly and Anina has to say. All this is going to be recorded. So do not feverishly uh, keeping notes. We're going to be fine. If you need to chat with me uh, privately and anonymously, please, I accept from everyone just to use my name. And uh, like, if it's not in social media, it's ever happening. Tag us, power to fly. Uh, I'm going to share a LinkedIn of Kelly and Anina so you can talk with the girls as well. And I'm going to introduce you, Kelly and Anina from Alora Collective. And here we go. Kelly, would you like to go first? Sure, I'd love to. Hi, everybody. Um, thanks for joining us today. As you may have noticed, I've done a, a bunch of uh, events with Power to Fly. I love this organization. So excited that we get to work with Linda today. Um, and I'm so excited to be here with Anina. We now work together at AlloraCollective.com, which is my company. We are a team of coaches that are international. We help people move through career change, remote work and remote life transitions, as well as strategic relocations. Um, I myself have moved myself across the US living in New York, LA and Seattle. And then I also did my first expat life in Amsterdam. I came back to California to build the company so I could work from anywhere. And we're just really excited to help you all figure out how to navigate that for yourselves. Um, and with that, I'll toss it to Anina and, uh, oh wait, one fun fact, Anina and I met because she attended the very first event I did with Power to Fly just over a year ago. So Power to Fly is a matchmaking powerhouse, I just have to say. And I, I just love that little fact. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. The first side. <laughs> yeah, exactly, love it fast start. Okay, hi everyone, it's nice to see you all here. And I'm seeing some familiar faces as well. That's so exciting. Uh, thank you for joining. So yeah, so like you heard from Kelly, I work with Kelly as a remote design coach. Um, my speciality is in the product experience space. So I coach anyone that wants to work as a designer in a remote company or wish to be a digital nomad and just how to navigate life as a designer um, that's not traditional out there. 
Uh, my career started quite early and not wanting to settle for this office job, you know. Um, but like everyone, you kind of felt, like, felt that's what you should be doing. Everyone tell you like, this is life, you know, you have to deal with it. And yeah, I didn't want to deal with that. So after a few years, uh, I always pursued working remotely and did like small gigs on the side. And until today where I am working remotely, of course, for me, it was a long journey. But for most of you now, it doesn't have to be that long journey. All the opportunities is there. And unfortunately, fortunately for COVID, that also helped a lot with remote work. Yeah, so we're actually very excited to help with all the questions and yeah, just to have a good conversation. I think Linda, you're on mute. If anyone's playing bingo, we have our first you're on mute. So yes. I didn't think of a prize at the end, but we probably should have. I think we should do that for every event now. It, it, it is, it is, uh, it is the, the slogan that is continuing for 2020, I'm on mute. So <laughs> we have a bunch of questions here. People have uh, so many questions. So have a, a big look from these uh, questions, like for um, to keep this event conversational. We just gather this question in one side, but we are going to break it down. So Kelly and Nina have the opportunity to explicitly answer and give uh, tips and advices. So in general, these are the um, questions. I'm going to go through the first question, which is, <laughs> guess what? Where do I found remote uh, opportunities? Uh, this is something that when I started working remotely, I was like, okay, I want to do this. Where do I start? It's a great question. And we noticed from the questions submitted that there were kind of categories. Uh, Anina and I went through them and we did notice that there were a series of questions about where to find the remote job. There were a series of a few questions about uh, what's the difference between a resume for remote or interviewing for a remote job. And then we also noticed that there were uh, some really great questions about how do I redesign my life to work remotely and what are my options? And, you know, how do I ask a company what they see remote work as so I can figure out if they want me to just work from home like I'm in an office or if it's real remote work. So we're really excited about these. So to dive right in, um, where to find remote opportunities. I think Anina and I will certainly agree that the best thing to do, you really want to research, you want to know where you want to play. So the biggest websites you can look at that are wholly de dedicated to remote opportunities uh, would be We Work Remotely, FlexJobs is another one, uh, there's another one based out of Paris that's fairly newer than the other two called Remotive. You can also do remote specific searches using sites like uh, LinkedIn or Indeed. Um, in my opinion, if you're really starting to kind of dig in and do the research, I would start with something that has been focused on remote for years, which would be a We Work Remotely, right? I think they've been in the game uh, longer than most. Anina, what do you think? Yeah, and the great thing about these websites is it's for every role, right? You don't have to be a designer like me or let's say a professional coach like Kelly. You can be any role and you can find it on these websites. Another one I want to mention there, Kelly, that, um, that came out, I think, last year is called the Contra Community. And they are amazing in creating a community for independent workers. And it's perfect for remote working. And they do a, almost a weekly update on all the remote roles that they curate from different websites into one spreadsheet. So also definitely have a look at them as well. How is that one spelled? I'm gonna drop it in the chat for everybody. C-O-N, 
T-R-A. They also have a Slack channel, which is great um, to follow as well. C-O-N-T-R-A. Yeah, Contract Community. I can send the link in the chat. That's also good. Oh yeah, perfect. Let's do that. Great. Yeah, perfect. So, how do I qualify or find temporary remote jobs? I have a full-time salaried job that is currently remote but I'd like to start freelancing. So how do I find temporary remote jobs so I can keep my full-time job for now? This is a tricky one. Like uh, how can people could uh, juggle around the full-time and freelancing and remote? Yeah, it could be tricky and it could also be a gift if you would prefer to do a few different things. And I think the best fit is for each individual. I know Anina is going to have some really great points on this because she's been running her own design studio while mentoring and coaching at the same time. So she's a master at juggling all of these things. My juggling abilities more came from high volume recruiting and working internationally as well. I would say the first thing you really want to narrow down is what type of job you're looking for. So you can figure out how much time you'll give to it. You can find certain jobs, whether it's you know, virtual assistant or admin assistant that are easy to do remotely on like a flex job. But if you wanna freelance as let's say a designer or something else like that, before you build a client base, you might wanna look at something like an Upwork or a Fiverr where you can kind of add your portfolio, look at other people's and, and kind of get your feet wet in that area. So whoever asked this question, if you wanna drop in the chat the type of role you're looking for, that might help us answer it more specifically. But Anina, where do you go with this? Because I know you know, I know you know this one. You live this one. <laughs> I definitely do juggle a lot of things at the same time. And just because I really enjoy the context switching. So I know it's not for everyone. So when you do a full-time role, which I've done many times, and then my part-time, I did different roles as well. Just to have to actually, I took my part-time to become the next full-time remote role. So I would like to know if you actually want to do the full-time for now and actually want to transition into the remote role, which is we want to start part-time. That would be quite interesting. Um, so mentioning on the remote side and the freelancing side is you really have to see exactly like Kelly said, what's a role that you want to do? Because that will depend on where you'll be looking for these roles and also the time that you spend on these part-time roles. Because what you don't want to happen is you don't want to crash. Because if you do a full-time job, we all know how busy that gets. And then you do a part-time role that's actually not bringing in you the fulfillment or yeah. any monetary value. And that means you won't actually continue with it. And that would demotivate you to make that your full-time role. Um, so to bring it back to almost like practical tips, like how do you just get started with freelancing is sometimes hard because like Kelly mentioned, you can go to Fever or to um, Updesk or but I don't know what's called now, Odesk, Updesk. <laughs> Here we go. I don't the chance in it. I oh, know. Anyway, yeah. so it's, it's, it's quite a competitive market. So I would suggest starting with building your professional network. Um, so you use like these tools like LinkedIn or social media platforms like Instagram, building your audience for who you want to do this work for, who is your potential client or customer. Um, that would be important to start because finding clients would be your hardest thing in terms of freelancing work. You know, we get this expectation like, oh, it just comes to you. And that happens only after you've built your network. So look at first building your network, get referrals out there. Because I almost find this, the most successful freelancers are those where work come to them. And that only happens when you have a really good reputation that your ex-colleagues work with you. Um, companies that you worked for before or your freelancing work that you're doing for um, other clients. So I would say that would be the best way to just get started. 
um, in the role. But it'd be interesting to know if, um, if you dropped which role you're applying for, but no, there's no comment yet. Um, so yeah, that would be my, my feedback. And I think I that's love a great that. point too, absolutely. You wanna be yeah. strategic about these things. You know, there's a, when clients come and work with us, we wanna know what their pain is and what the goal is. Is it, I have to get out of this job, it's toxic and I wanna leave in two months? Then that plan is gonna be quite different when someone says, I'm ready to make a move and I know that I wanna start doing this. So in the next three to six months, I wanna strategically plan that out, right? So like, like Anina said, if, if you're looking for, kind of a side gig financially, then your strategy is going to be different than if you're looking to convert your career into something else. If you wanna convert into something else for the long term, exactly what Anina said, job search networking and career networking is going to be key. So whether that's, you know, say you're in marketing, whether you find groups on Facebook like Sweatheads, which is all marketers that share leads and tips, or if you uh, are say a social media professional looking for freelance. There are a ton of companies like Scheduled and all these other companies that are hiring social media uh, artists and then having them work with their clients. So there are ways that you can kind of start getting your feet wet. If you go on our blog on alorecollective.com, you'll find a blog post called Six Job Search Message Templates. You can use that for your career strategy as well. We made these templates so that you can use them for outreach to other people, whether it's LinkedIn or email. Only one of the templates is if there's a job posted that fits you. There's another template of what to say and how to say it if there's a job posted, but it's not at your level. Or even there's no job posted. So let's say, hey, Nina, I wasn't able to find a job publicly posted. However, I'm really interested in what your company does and what I offer would be to manage your social media strategy on a freelance basis. Here's what I've done, whether you got paid or not, we don't care. Here's what I've done in a past and a sample of my work. I would love to connect with you for the future. So when something does open up, I can be in your talent pipeline or in your database. So if you plant those seeds now in terms of networking, I know Amanda's nodding her head. I can hear it right now because she knows this. She's seen us talk about this before. Um, uh, if you plant those seeds now, those are the seeds that are gonna grow for you in the next coming months. And then you'll have those connections in your network. So you can ask for those opportunities and also follow those people when they have something open. Uh, also, not only is there a blog post and a free download about it, we also did an event where we went through these questions with Alor with um, Power to Fly, and you can rewatch that event too. It's another chat, only about that. <laughs> That's amazing information. And if I can add something to that, is something that I read recently. If you take care of today, tomorrow will take care of itself. So I totally agree. Building a network of people and seeing what kind of opportunities might show up and uh, just naturally and uh, normally connect with people, asking them if they have any opportunities or in the future. So when it rises, people can keep you in mind. So I love the idea of building the network and seeing what kind of projects and opportunities are out there. And if I can add something else, there is another website which is only about projects and uh, freelancing, which is called um, The Mom Project, which has a bunch of very uh, project-based uh, uh, works there as well, if you want to check that. So um, moving to the next one. Um, okay. So... How can someone uh, who has um, oh sorry, how can someone who has worked uh, remotely for a company who has never worked remotely for a company make their 
resume stand out from those others who have? Like, this is a very uh, uh, interesting thing. How can I make my first impression, usually a resume, memorable and convincing even though I've never worked for a company like this. Ideas for keeping my employer aware of my effectiveness and productivity while working remotely. Okay, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Let's break it down <laughs> into a few questions there. Uh, I loved it. This person seeks in all the questions that was on their mind. So well done. Yes. Uh, yeah. So. I mean, let's start at the first one about how can someone has never worked remotely for a company make their resume stand out um, from those who offer them. Uh, and I think what, you know, some, and Kelly and Linda can definitely add to this, but you have to hear if you haven't worked remotely, focus on your soft skills, the skills that actually makes you a remote worker, even though you haven't done it. Because uh, all of us at some point right now, me and Kelly both, we had office jobs, right? And, but in ourselves, we had the skills to work remotely. We were not just never given, like, given that opportunity. Um, but we knew how to translate our soft skills into a remote role. Because, you know, like a junior position, you have to get your first job somehow without any experience. The same for remote. You know, you haven't had done a remote before, but you've got to start somewhere. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming during COVID, most of us already work remotely. Uh, so you already have at least some experience in translating that into a, um, you know, to value and to tell someone, cool, I have these soft skills about productivity. I know when it's my focus time. I know when, uh, I, you know, I produce the best quality work or how long I take doing work. So also I want to add on to that is when you say you have these soft skills, don't just list your soft skills like, oh, I'm hard worker. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm determined and I'm focused. You have to say how you focus. So they understand like, oh, okay, so you know already when you don't work well and what type of things you need to do in your focus blocks, how you manage um, your schedule, your calendar, or how do you respond on emails? You know, you have to be almost prepared in advance. Even though you haven't done it, you have to think ahead of how you would work remotely. You almost envision that, visualizing your future remote work. All great points all around. I couldn't agree with you more, Anina. And I think uh, what you said about Taking that extra step to really express how you organize yourself in terms of working remotely is a great idea. You can do that in uh, a mini cover letter or a cover letter. Do they always get read? No. You can also do that in your summary. And what you said about career stories is also important as well. So it's one thing on your resume when you're listing accomplishments, when you're going for remote work, you might want to add a line or two about how you did that. You might want to add uh, the ability to block calendars across multiple time zones. You want to show off your writing skills because communication is so important when you're working remotely. Personally, especially with our team, we do everything we possibly can to communicate written as often as possible so we can save our chat and our meeting time for a coffee and for some fun and for building the bond and the relationship that makes it better to work with people. So maybe you want to include a writing sample or maybe you want to say, um, maybe you turn your resume into a two-page PDF, and maybe the second page uh, is, uh, here's an example of how I would send a proposal or organize a project with my team, and you can put that together. You can make a timeline or something else. You can talk about the importance of communication when you're not in an office and you can't jump with everybody, and how important it is to be patient, to think through a question before you ask it, so that you're not just, you know, slamming people with slack. And there are a lot of things you can read about this. There are many companies that have been, let's say, fully distributed and working truly remotely for many years, like Basecamp, Envision, uh, AHA is another one. You can find these lists of top companies that have been remote for a very long time. 
read their blogs, look at how they describe how they work, what's most important, what are those keys, and integrate that into your resume, integrate that into your either your full cover letter, cover letter or your mini cover letter. And I think this is also where asking for introductions and referrals really makes the difference of being effective. Because when someone, if when I'm the recruiter and, and, and Nina sends someone to me and says, hey, Kelly, I'd love for you to meet, I'd love to introduce you to Linda. She's interested in working at your company. She, this is the role she's looking for. Please see her note to you below. You're letting someone pitch you to the first person that's gonna see you before they even see your resume. Does everybody get back to you? No. Do we care? No. We only care about the people that respond, but this is how you get that connection so that someone has a sense of what you do and who you are before they read your resume, right? So in one or two small paragraphs, you give a small summary, one to three sentences, what you do, why you're a fit, what you, look, what you like about the team, right? Three sentences tops. And then your summary becomes why you are effective working remotely. Why are you an excellent communicator? You focus on written communications and follow-ups. You manage your calendar to make sure everything is, is timely and you're proactive in the way that you work with your team. Those are just a few examples, but I, I love what Anina said about looking for other samples and integrating that into what you do. So it's a combo of adjusting your resume and then how you get your resume in front of people. That's where the magic happens. Does that make sense? If it, if it doesn't, just drop in the chat and let us know. I mean, Kelly, that's totally on point. I mean, something you shouldn't forget is, well, if you do like writing, um, when you do introductions, for example, on LinkedIn or on your resume, you can always add links, right? So you can have some of your articles. This is how I work remotely. And it takes you to an article about explaining how you would work remotely. Mm -hmm. So make use of that as well, because I know your resume and cover letter, like Kelly also said, your cover letter might not be even, you know, read, and your resume might already be a two-pager. So don't be afraid as well to add links to external resources that will actually help you applying for remote roles. And don't be afraid to share what's important to you. You know, if you develop this and you're building this, I don't know if we want to call it like a brand or persona. I'm 43. The whole brand thing of a person is weird to me still. I still get a little like anxious with social media, even though I love my Instagram when I travel, if I'll ever travel again. But there's nothing wrong with adding to your summary on LinkedIn, which you know people are going to look at. Look at those keywords like remote work and, and being distributed and high level communications. Write a post or write a, uh, a summary after you read these blogs of what other people see as important about your philosophy. Why is remote work effective? How is it more effective to have control over your environment versus being completely open to being interrupted all day long, right? What techniques do you put into practice on a daily basis? Maybe that's blocking your calendar for deep work. Maybe that's um, kind of like the old measure twice, cut once always rereading something before you send it out a couple of times to make sure it's as concise as possible. You know, sharing what you do that makes it better is a compliment to what's on your resume. So you can, like I said, add it as a second page of a PDF. You can put it in your mini cover letter or your full. You can also add it to your profile on LinkedIn. And remember, LinkedIn is SEO friendly. So any of all these keywords that you add, better for people to find you. Yeah, that's actually great because working remotely, we don't have the opportunity to charm, let's say, people face-to-face. -face. We only have this uh, opportunity to express and uh, sell ourselves only through a document. And that's the critical part of it because it's like trying to express who you are as a professional only with, through your resume and through your cover letter. 
So don't be afraid. Like I know it's difficult. I've been there. Everybody's been there. But it's just saying, like believing that you can do it. Add these uh, soft skills and not uh, being like cliche and like I'm hardworking. I am determined. Just you know, be yourself. Trust your professional abilities and skills. So, Kelly and Anina. Should you state on your resume that you prefer remote opportunities or only bring this up in an interview negotiation phase? It is a good one. It is a very good one. That's <laughs> a really good question. You want me to jump on this one, and you know you want to jump on it. <laughs> I think this one's got two perspectives, so I would like to hear yours. Yeah, so if, if none of you have ever seen me in an event or heard me speak before, you'll know that I'm very much a it depends kind of person. It's why we don't, um, as a lower collective, when I built the company, <clears throat> excuse me, it's why we don't just offer like a course of one size fits all for everybody. Cause I don't keep, I don't believe that people are a product and that bothers me not to say we won't have one in the future, but one-on-one -on -one attention and customizing the answers to me is very important. So I'm going to give you two answers. If your sole focus and you know 100%, you only want to work remotely, you have no interest in being on site in any city, there is no dream job that would change your mind, then do that and focus on that and only go for that. End of story, right? If there's a chance you may want to have a hybrid position, there's a chance a role might come and for the next year with COVID, it might be remote. And then when it switches to on site, maybe you'll just get another job. I don't know then save it for the interview phase and find out what their options are first. So my second answer is kind of the equivalent to salary negotiation. Find out what they, where they're at first, and then you can decide. I have yet to have someone get an offer that they had to say no to, that I wasn't able to help them say no in a nice way without burning a bridge. So until there's an offer, it's nothing. See what's coming, be open, the other thing about it too is, and we're gonna get into this in a little bit because there were questions about it and me and Anina talk about this all the time. You wanna qualify what remote means to this company as you get into the interview phase. Because just because they say they're remote doesn't mean they're gonna operate that way. I've heard, I only heard one horror story of a company that expected all the employees while they were working remotely to always be on Zoom with the camera on for eight hours a day. What is the point of that? It's crazy to me. That's extreme, but as you go into the interview phase, you wanna ask about that. What are the expectations for hours of crossover and communication? If you read books like the founders of Basecamp, they only have four hours of crossover a day because they're a globally distributed company. So that's what works for them and it makes sense. So these are the qualifying questions. I think you can put on your resume, open for remote, hybrid or on-site opportunities, or you can just leave it off. Because if you're applying to the company or the role, you're obviously interested. And if you get into the interview and it turns out that they're not gonna let you be remote or it doesn't work, as long as you didn't insult anybody, if you don't get the job, you made a friend in that interview stage. So you connect with them and you can still ask them to refer you to another gig. So you're adding people to your network. What do you think, Anina? Oh, that's so well said. I mean, you really did take both perspectives <laughs> into one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah, I, I just kind of reiterating what Kelly said is if you are committed and you really want to just be 100% remote and the role doesn't state it's remote, 
you might end up applying for a role that's not going to offer you remote and that might be a waste of time for you but in that case you might still add a network right so you have to decide what what do you really want to get out of it you want to have a remote 100 remote role you want a hybrid role do you want flexibility and still a remote role or do you just actually want to work from you know work from home and you know kind of driving or have flexible days, but still be in the same time zone. You have to understand what do you want? What does remote work means for you? And then you find out what it means for the company. If you are flexible and like you actually want to work remotely, but you don't mind going to the office, um, then I would say definitely go for it, right? You've nothing to lose like Kelly mentioned. Um, and then you can have the conversations. Sometimes these conversations start off with, mm, I don't know, you're still new, so maybe not. But then along the line after, let's say, a probation period, uh, they will say, okay, now we're comfortable. You actually can be 100% remote. So there's companies where they go into the office for three months. I've heard this before. And then after three months, they actually go out and they actually be remote. They just want to yeah. meet you. And then they do it remotely. Also, some companies, which I don't yet know, maybe you know Kelly or Linda, don't advertise that they're remote. And then there are remote companies, but they're almost scared that they'll get lazy people who just want to work from home and don't really want to work. So they kind of keep that off their job description. Um, so you also have to kind of kind of have to do some research and just see what they, you know, on LinkedIn or the staff, talking to some of the um, staff and see really what the vibe is uh, and culture-wise. I think casting a wide net is good. I advise everyone to have target companies and go that way and be strategic. But casting a wide net and being open, it also allows you to have more conversations. It also kind of allows you to get enough of those no answer ghosting people and enough rejections under your belt that you're a little more desensitized so that by the time people you know, are responding and you get the interview, you know that sting has gone away a little bit because let's be honest, job search is really not fun for most of us. We don't really like it. That's why I'm in the business of helping people get through it. You know, Sometimes you feel like you're defending yourself. Nobody teaches us how to do this ever. They teach us skills. They don't teach us how to sell ourselves. Nobody really teaches you how to interview or how to do these things. So I think keeping it light, like Anina said, and keeping it open is, is the most important thing. You know, in fact, even on resumes, I usually tell people to take their city and state off it these days. Because at least you want to get the conversation. The point of your resume is to qualify you to get the interview. It's not to get you the job and it's not to qualify you for the job. It's just for the interview. So if you look at your resume or someone else looks at your resume, there should be just enough like journalism 101, the who, what, where, when, there should be just enough there of your accomplishments, any metrics, anything with a percent sign or a number we want. We want, like she said, soft skills uh, or how you organize yourself you can do, but your resume should make someone want to talk to you. That's the point of it right? It's the three minute speed date that leads to the next one. So when you edit your resume, look at it through that lens. I hope we answered the question. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, that I was uh, about to say that these are to the very to the point, the, the, the answers, because I was thinking, how can I go to my resume and I can add like a remote friendly or I am uh, I can be I'm flexible because uh, there are companies out there that they are ad advertising uh, remote jobs but then they stay remote only in the UK or yeah. only in the, the US. Time zone so restriction. My, I've been in this situation 
Exactly, exactly. So yeah. I've been in a situation where I see an advertisement that is, it's a remote job and then it says US only. So it's a little bit of confusing. Yeah. But I think that people, especially uh, in 2021, like uh, not listing that their place of residence can make them more open to remote work opportunities. Because we've, we've been there, we've done that, the entire world went remotely last year. So it is uh, feasible, it is um, able to work remotely. Yeah, and more and more so, companies are doing it. Spotify announced work from anywhere last week. So they're coming, there's more and more. Follow us on LinkedIn. I share every single time I can find one, whether it's a job lead or who's announcing remote work now. But you want to keep on top of that stuff, right? Get those newsletters in your inbox and make it work for you so you know who's open to it. And that whole, uh, we're hiring remotely, but within this time zone, that's just a benchmark of the company's uh, setup structure. All that tells you is the company is not set up to work across certain time zones out of that uh, bridge. That's really all it is. The other thing that it might indicate is that uh, some companies might not be able to pay you unless you are able to work in the US, right? So either you're a US citizen or you're either on a visa or you're in like green card process. So that could be the other reason for that as well. Yeah. Whatever it is, if you get on the phone, oh, I noticed you have to work in the US. What if I'm, what if I'm, I noticed it's US time zone, right? Get the interview. I don't live in a US time zone, I live in this time zone, but I can work those hours. At least you get the interview. And if they say no, they say no but maybe they'll know someone at a different company and you can ask them for a referral later. Yeah, it's all about building the network that somebody can refer to a, a company who is hiring totally remote. Yeah. So uh, how do I identify companies that have set up their remote cultures efficiently to ensure employees can thrive? Example, what question should I ask in the interview? And before you go and dive into this question, uh, I have the personal experience to see like there are some companies on there that they are using some kind of um, time tracking uh, platforms uh, to ensure the efficiency in the, the employer side. But should people like me and somebody else who is, work, who is looking for a remote uh, job like ask like what's the culture and the, how the efficiency of, to ensure the employees to thrive? What do you think? I mean, if, if you get an introduction or referral into someone at the company, you can ask them before you even have an interview. So that's, you know, that's a, a pre-session. Um, also, When you prep for interview, you're gonna prep differently to speak to a recruiter in a first round versus speaking to a hiring manager or a design director, right? You're gonna you're gonna prepare your career stories and the examples of what you've done in a more strategic way, the higher up you go. But great questions to ask, no matter who you're talking to, is ask them about their experience. If you're interviewing with someone who's been at the company, let's say a year or less, that means they started with the company during COVID. How has that been for you? What was that like? If they've been at the company longer, how did they handle that transition? Were you remote before? And has that changed? So I think asking them their personal experience, like whoever you're talking to in the interview, as opposed to what the company's policy is, which is usually something they write for like employer branding, I think it's better to ask the individual what their experience has been 
and go that route. That's, that's how I would play it. What do you think, Anina? Yeah, I mean, if we focus like on the policies, it is nice to see if they do have a policy. If you go to the website, so most remote companies, uh, you know, have their public key, like you said, like almost a branding thing to say, cool, we have all these remote policies like Git, uh, GitLab, for example, um, yeah. and Scout as well. And you can actually go see and read that it has policies. So they might not always implement it 100%, but knowing they already did the effort in writing these policies, it tells you they are interested about it. Sometimes if you look at the company, you can see who is part of the team. Are they like an employee experience um, role? That means they're really focused on making sure that their remote culture is working for everyone. So there's those type of things I'll definitely look out for, but then asking someone how they actually work on a day-to-day. -day. How do they kind of schedule work? What is the challenges for them working remotely? What's the things that they've nailed to the, you know, on point, which they get right every time. So you have to ask like specific questions, like just how they work. And they'll be able to answer you, oh, you know, I do, you know, there's some rules of working. We either work asynchronously or we work synchronously. And these are the tools we use. And that will get a quite general idea of, you know, how they really work in, in practicality. I love that you mentioned synchronous and asynchronous. So if anyone doesn't know what Anina means by that, sometimes companies want every single person, no matter where they are in any time zone, to always be available at the same time. Sometimes they're a little bit more flexible. Like I gave the example of Basecamp who has four hours of crossover, right? He's written it in his books. He talks about it all the time. When I worked at booking.com, first I was in the Seattle office and then I worked from uh, headquarters in Amsterdam. We didn't have any set overlap, right? So you basically, which personally, I love that. Like you set your workout. It's a great way to build your patience muscle because ASAP is ridiculous unless someone's dying. It really doesn't exist. Let's be honest. We create that. And it's usually anxiety from a manager that's telling you something's ASAP. But for example, Anina's in South Africa and I'm in the East Coast right now of America. So I can send her a message and I can sleep great at night if she's sleeping. And I know that we'll talk about it tomorrow. It's not an immediate thing. I think a great way to suss out or to figure out if a company has expectations of being completely synchronous or if they're okay with those kind of uh, breaks in communication or that let's say patience in communication is to ask them, where are your, your uh, employees located? How many time zones are represented within this team and across the company? Where is leadership? If leadership is in a time zone, meaning their 9 a.m. is my 4 a.m., I might have to have a 4 a.m. all hands call and my brain might explode. So. Those are other questions if you want to dig deeper. How often do we have an all hands? How often do we have, let's say, a stand-up or a team meeting? Does it change times? Is it twice a month? And, you know, one month it's early for half the team and the other month it's, it's you know, early for the other half. How flexible are they with that? So those are more specific questions you can ask to see uh, how the company really considers what's convenient for everyone versus setting a schedule because maybe they're headquartered in, you know, somewhere in Europe and they just expect everyone else to show up at the same time. So I would ask about that. How are they scheduled? How often do you communicate? Do you use Slack? Do you use Teams? Are you on Google? What is your setup? Do you use email more often than Slack? Those are the kind of questions you want to ask. I love the specificity of uh, that uh, uh, answer because uh, what you say, it's like the overlap. There are many people that they say, okay, I'm going to work remotely. That means I can work in my own schedule and I can be more flexible. But they have to be on the computer 
to meet other time zones. And that is stressful because they are times that they have to answer emails. And as you said, like ACP, what does that even mean sometimes? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what is the most important thing in the world that cannot wait a couple mm-hmm. of hours? And being remote means like people have the ability and uh, the opportunity to be wherever they want in the world. And that should not stop uh, the teams to work and collaborate together. That's why we have all these platforms. That's why we have all this software to communicate with each other and not miss a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, being all together at the same time, unless it's not for a meeting that everybody should be present, I think it, it, it should work uh, so everybody should work in their own time and bring their own results. So that's a good point that you yeah. brought. So people can ask more specific questions because they might not be able to uh, work with, let's say, past, uh, uh, like a Pacific uh, time standards. Like I had an interview with a Pacific time standard. It was like 8 p.m. Uh, for me and was like, 9 a.m. for yeah. the person and I was already tired to have an interview so mm-hmm. <laughs> these are kind of things that we should always consider when yeah. we're asking questions for uh, interviews and uh, remote work. The specific so, word that, sorry to add to that Linda, yeah. the specific word that you're looking for and um, for this company is distributed teams because mm-hmm. that actually means so distributed yeah. across time zones. And some companies will say remote and then, you know, time zone or just remote and other companies will actually say distributed and the distributed ones is really the ones that had done this for years and they yeah. actually work with different time zones and they don't expect you to be like 4am, like Kelly said, in a meeting, um, they expect you to then communicate, which are called asynchronously. Um, so that's just kind of a little tip, but if you're looking yeah. at job searches as well, definitely yeah. distributed as well. A hundred percent. And just because COVID hit does not mean everyone's working remotely. And Anina and I have been talking about this constantly, right? Especially with a lot of our clients. Most of what's happened since COVID hit is people are working from home the way they do in an office. At least that's the expectation. Companies have become more flexible. They're realizing like, you know, if you're working from home, it's not the same as being in an office. There's an adjustment there. There are other things you have to take care of if you have family or other things or a pet or a dog is chewing your shoe or your foot, you know, all these other things. But working from home as if you're in an office is not what genuine remote work is. Genuine remote work, when we talk about that and when people really dig into it and change their life to do that is more what most people think of as like a digital nomad. It's, I do better working in the afternoon, so I'm gonna block my calendar of meetings so that my morning is for me and then I'm gonna work in the afternoon because working remotely, I have control over my calendar. There are ways you can try to start doing that and you can test the teams that you're on. I started doing this before I left company life where I'm personally not a morning person. Like you can try to talk to me at 8 a.m., but it's not cute. And my brain just doesn't work. And I've always been that way since I was a kid. I started blocking my calendar until 10 a.m. And I figured if someone really needs me at this meeting, they'll ask me if I can open up the time slot. You know how often that happened? Hardly ever. And I started to realize that I can actually do this. You don't want your calendar to control you, which is what happens a lot when you're working in an office, especially open floor plan, everything is on top of you and you're reacting all day long. When you are genuinely working remote, 
you should be proactively scheduling your day for when your brain is best and how you prefer to live. I love working at night. I will get so much stuff done working at night after dinner. It is insane. It's like my brain just wakes up. I already watched the news. I already watched my reality show of the housewives. And now I can just fire away and get it done. But in the morning, I need more peace and quiet to set my day. Other people are different. They get up in the morning and they're ready to go. And that's their best time. So there are things you can do to ask about remote work, how people do that. But don't be afraid to kind of test your teams. Don't be afraid to just block your calendar. If somebody needs you, they'll ask you. So that would be my tester advice if you're in that whole, I want to work remotely, but I'm realizing I'm kind of just working from home right now. <laughs> and I think I agree with Kelly that you also have some of that control. We create this five fake idea that we have to be online and we enable this behavior. So what happens is we are working at home all the time online, like a normal job. And we're like, oh, this company is like making me work all the time. And sometimes it's your own expectations, your pressures uh, that you put in yourself saying, yeah, I have to be online. I have to tell them at every point what I'm doing, where I'm at. So try, like Kelly said, step a little bit back from it, right? Say, I'm, hi guys, I'm busy for, you know, between two and four or for four hours. Of course, you need to be transparent with your communication. You don't just want to go MIA. Um, just try that out. So push a bit, a bit of the boundaries and see, like Kelly said, most of them won't actually mind at all. <laughs> they would be like, oh, okay, cool. Let's go on, you know, and they'll actually respect your time because you're respecting your own time now. And so play around with that. I mean, companies has all different definitions of what remote means to them. There definitely isn't a remote word that's universal for everyone. Yeah. And that goes to Amanda's question in the chat. Great, great question, Amanda. You're going to see these terms used in different ways. It kind of reminds me of years ago when I first got to LA in 2013, 2014, and we were working with UX designers and we had to explain to all of them, just because you're learning about UX design doesn't mean these companies are gonna have you do all these things that are true UX design work. They might be hiring you to be like a web designer. So you're gonna have to be aware of that. This is how the tides change, right? This is how things catch up to where we're going. So it is okay if these companies say one thing and the reality is different, that's why we do these events. That's why we offer a free intro session to anyone who wants one with our company, because we want to help you investigate this better. We don't want you being on the defense when you're interviewing or taking a test or, or waiting for these companies to tell you how it is. We want to arm you with the right questions so that you know what you want and you can ask it effectively and do more research. And I see LaRonda's question too, before we do the next one. Um, would you say genuine remote work is project-based work uh, only. I would say it's not. I would say genuine remote work could be anything. I mean, I, oh, I did my own business because I want to work from anywhere. There are digital nomads that work as virtual assistants. Anina runs her own design studio in addition to working with me at Allura Collective. So I think it really can be anything that you make of it. When you say project-based work, and this is because I spent so many years in recruitment and hiring people and building um, talent acquisition teams, Project-based work to me, I don't know, LaRonda, if you're referring to how you get paid, because when I hear project-based work, I think of how you're getting paid, which would be, I'll do it in a month, here's my fee, as opposed to an hourly. So that could go in different directions. Would you agree with that, Anina? Or anything you want to add to that? I mean, I definitely think it's exclusive for project work. I think it's popular for project work because of the freelancing wave that came around. And freelancing work 
uh, I understand project work from my perspective is, you know, you quote, you kind of quote for a project for six weeks and they pay you on an hourly rate. So I'm, I know it also in different countries, it works differently. So in South Africa, you'll have a project and it's six weeks and you'll be paid for an hourly rate based on that and you get your work done. So it's just because freelancing brought project work and remote almost together, they get kind of like almost scrambled together, but definitely no, I run my business. I do coaching, I do mentoring, I teach as well. And my design work is actually not project-based work. My design studio work is long-term working with, with companies. Uh, so no, I don't think it's, it's exclusive at all. Got it, LaRonda. I see your follow-up versus support positions like virtual assistant. I, I think both of us are saying it depends on the position, right? And I think the beauty of uh, having more remote opportunities and more jobs out there is that you can choose which one is best for you. Whichever way you want to play it, you can play it. So like we said in the very first question, I think researching these roles is a great way to start. We work remotely in flex jobs are two of the longest standing ones and that other country unity one that um, Anina mentioned, those websites. And then also use LinkedIn as a tool to research other people. You know, LinkedIn is, you can find jobs on there, but people have to pay to post jobs. So it's not the best uh, place for jobs or the only place for jobs, I should say. But LinkedIn is the best place to look for people and target companies, right? Think of it like nobody reinvented the trench coat. They just made a different one in a different color. You can follow what other people have done and find samples out there. So you can do a people search on LinkedIn for remote virtual assistant. You can do a people search for uh, project-based design. If you're targeting a certain company and they don't have a job posted that fits what you want, find the person working at that company who's in the job you want. Look at their profile. Look at how they describe what they do. Look at uh, how they describe how they work. Look at the companies they worked with before, which means they, those companies would probably be hiring for that role as well. So I think you can use that as kind of a library to see what options are out there. You're welcome, Andrea. Can you see Andrea, me? Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> I love the chat. We all love the chat. It's so fun to see them pop up. We're doing good. All right, I think we can get a couple more questions in. What do you ladies think? Ready, let's do it. Oh gosh, Linda, you keep on going on mute. You're gonna kill me. <laughs> I'm gonna win bingo, that's for sure. I so think can you hear me now? Yes. I, I just don't want to interrupt. I just don't want to interrupt the flow because I'm actually listening and keeping notes aside. I don't want to interrupt anybody. So I, I love what you said about um, distinguishing between being a digital nomad and working from home because this has been a lot of uh, topics lately because as you said you, people have different programs but then when they work from home it means that they have to clock in and clock out uh, according to the uh, company's regularities so uh, to the next question it's like with the rise of working from home, it is like with the, the fate of working from home uh, activities in uh, standard companies, uh, will that last uh, due to taxes and government location details will that uh, disappear? Uh, and the person asks as well, I'd like to work for a US company occasionally side time, um, but live uh, internationally sometimes, which yeah. means as I understand it, you know, being also a remote worker and working for a company and what is going on with the taxes and the location yeah. and everything. This is a great question. I mean, being in recruitment, 
um, I'll kick this one off, Anina. So being in recruitment for so long, I follow a lot of the job market trends. It's just, I can't help myself. Like it just is what it is. Um, so as we see these things growing and, and companies opening up to working from home, if you notice the companies that are announcing these policies like Twitter, like Dropbox, like, like Spotify, the ones that are joining the ranks of work where you want, Patagonia got rid of their headquarters. Um, I think Slack jumped into it too. These are companies that are already set up with, let's say, satellite offices or global locations. And normally, internally, you'll find someone either in HR or with the title talent mobility, and their sole focus is understanding visas and how to pay people in different areas, okay? As a U.S. citizen, I can speak from my expat experience. No matter where you live in the world, the U.S. government will look at the total amount of money you earn, no matter where you are. They will compare it, right? They will look at your total earnings. They will do their own math and say, if she was still living in the US, this is how much she would owe in taxes. And if you paid any less than that in your host country, they're gonna want the difference. Does that make sense? That's how your taxes will work. In terms of companies, if they're adding you as an employee, there's no way to determine how they're gonna make this decision. I think before they decide um, anything else, we're gonna to start to see companies that are going to try to shift salaries based on where you're living because it's remote. I don't personally think that's gonna fly because if you're living in the middle of America, but you're working for a company with headquarters in San Francisco and they wanna pay you based on where you're living, that actually inhibits you from moving, which I think is gonna end up being a very big problem and will run into kind of an equal opportunity issue. These things, I don't think these decisions are going to come for years. I also think any company that says this is our plan when COVID is over and here's what we're doing in Q3 or Q4, they're saying that, but they really have no idea. Every country on the globe has been in and out of lockdown and nobody has this thing set yet, right? We barely have vaccines out. So whatever they say, thank you. Sounds good. If you're interested in the job, take it. If it turns out they change their mind and it shifts later, leave. Ping us, book a free session, we'll help you find another one. So if, if you're trying to plan on what decisions these companies will make going forward, I don't think that will help you. I think that will hurt you because they can give you all the PR statements they want about what they're gonna do in the next few years. I bet my life it's gonna change because they really don't know. That, that's just where I would go with that. I mean, Kelly, yeah. I mean, from a US perspective, I can't give you um, advice on that, but I mean, from a South African perspective, you know, all of a sudden companies now feel like remote work is trendy, right? And now they're forced to work remotely. So they know that introduces new policies like, yeah, we're going to work remotely for the next six year or year or future. And then the first time when COVID was almost like going down, they actually went back to the office, even though they've said, no, we're going to work remotely because some of them could just not manage working remotely. And it actually became office again until the next wave hit. Now they're remote again. So it's going to fluctuate between some companies is going to be like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to keep at it. We can work with this. And other companies might just for the time being feel really strongly about it because the entire world is doing this. Yeah. Um, and they might actually, once COVID, you know, gets slower down, they might actually go back to the office. They might actually introduce more likely to be hybrid um, than 100%. I think that's more where it goes right now for office-based companies is to do hybrid first. Um, because there is not um, employees, senior employees that feel strongly working from home. And they don't want those senior employees to leave the company because they're good at what they do. So are they are going to start introducing that flexibility and you need to take advantage of that. So if you're in a really good position in your role and you want to work flexible, 
then you definitely have to reach out to your, your, your manager or your higher up to say, you know, you're doing all, adding all this value to this company. You've done it remotely for this entire COVID period. You want this flexibility when, when things go um, normal, I'll put in the quotes. Yeah. Another good marker too is, you know, you know I've, it, it's funny because sometimes candidates will, or candidates, I'm not a recruiter anymore, I kind of, but people will interview at a company um, and always before you interview, you're going to ask whoever set up your schedule, can we have a prep call? Tell me everything you know. And sometimes they'll hear, yeah, we don't, we don't have too much prep. We like to be very casual. That tells me that you're not prepared. Like your interviewers are going to wing it. Cool. Then, you know, my person's going to be more prepared than the interviewer. Fine. A lot of these things too, if they're telling you what their plans are, I like to ask, that's really interesting. I love that you planning in Q4 of, of 2021 to give people this flexibility to work from everywhere. Can you tell me how you plan on changing your onboarding program now to accommodate for that? Ask about the documentation and the plans for that. If they haven't put it into that yet, is it really going to happen? We don't know. That's another piece of it, right? I worked at uh, large companies. I won't say which one, but one of them loved to talk about how they operate as a startup. Nothing was documented. So their version of working as a startup was, we're just going to let people figure it out. At some point, you're too big to do that. So that's kind of where, like, if you know the phrase, the rubber meets the road, where you can ask people, oh, that's, I love that you have this plan for the rest of the year, and that's how you're going to manage COVID. Do you plan or how, what is the plan for changing your onboarding program for that? Or what do you think the difference will be of how you onboard new team members then versus now, right? That's how you can really get into how people dig through these things and if they are uh, prepared for that change. If they're not, it doesn't mean don't take the job. It just means don't feel bad if in six months to a year, you're like, they didn't have their stuff together. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna be out and look for something else. <laughs> Actually, like to, to add to what you're saying, normally like in, in my interviews, uh, I've learned from a mentor to ask always what are the challenges that the company is going to face in the following three to five years. Mm -hmm. And then you see if the employer is going to give you an accurate and honest answer to see like how you're going to make your decision. Because when we are having an interview, it's not only us as a candidate to see if we can get the job, but we are also interviewing the company to see if we are a good match for them as well. All right, we've got about two minutes left. We could try to do another uh, question, but before we do that, I, if anybody has to jump off now, because I see people saying thank you that they, they may have to leave. Thank you everybody for joining us. I know that it's been amazing to have Linda joining us from Umbria and have Anina in South Africa. And like, this is just such a beautiful thing to have all of us across time zones and making it work. Um, please feel free to connect with Anina or myself uh, on LinkedIn. You can go to Alora Collective, follow us and follow Alora Collective on LinkedIn. You can find us on Instagram at Alora Collective. You can find me on Instagram at kelly.alorecollective. You can find Anina on Instagram at Ramon Design Life. See, I got all my work done today. Um, reach out to us, stay in touch. The website is up at alorecollective.com. We have a blog full of free resources for you from how to interview prep, free downloads. Uh, Nina's design portfolio checklist is coming out shortly. And uh, March 1st is our target date. And we're going to have a relaunch of the website. 
with all new content and a couple of more international coaches joining us in the next few weeks. So we just want to thank you and really appreciate you taking time with us. Oh, Brigitte from the Netherlands. Thank you, Val. Sorry, I had to. Love it. Um, in case you all want to say anything before we jump off. Anina? Okay, I'll go. <laughs> I see Linda talking. <laughs> thank you, Aaron. Yeah, I think this is really great. And Tom really flew by so quickly. Um, and hopefully we could ask more of your questions. But yeah, reach out to us and we are here to help you literally designing your remote, uh, remote career. And that's what we've been doing for years now. And it's, it was just really a great pleasure to be here. And especially with everyone across time zones, I always find that uh, the, most, the most amazing part of working remotely and having this remote event. And remember, we do offer a free strategy session to everyone. So you can go on alorocollective.com and book a free 30-minute strategy session. We offer one session with one of our coaches. So pick Anina, pick me. We have another couple of coaches coming in the next few weeks. Um, and we're always happy to talk and help you out. Thank you, everybody, so much for participating. That was amazing. Uh, you guys, uh, you nailed it, literally. I've seen so many people in the chat uh, asking questions. You can find uh, Kelly and Anina. They're awesome. Like I've kept my own notes here. I'm going to go and apply them literally word by word. So thank you so much. Uh, if anybody else wants to have any last question, I'll give you one minute. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I think that is all for today. Uh, thank you all for wa for watching us. Thank you for participating in Power to Flight. It was a pleasure, Kelly and Anina. Like I feel so lucky today that I have to host you two here and all these people. Thank you, everybody who participated from different time zones. I like this kind of. It's like from all the world. So uh, let's I do another one. <laughs> And by the way, Linda, you did a wonderful job. I have done plenty of these events with Power to Fly. I know that you're a new ambassador and this is your first. You. you did such a great job. I love your accent. I'm dying over it. My friend George is from Cumbria. But you did a wonderful job moderating. And I just want to let you know, I think you just did fantastic. Well done. Thank you. Good, goodbye. Thank you, guys. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. <laughs>